0: Greetings, friends and listeners. I am very congested and nasally because I'm sick, but I like just wrote this episode. I just sat in silence and listened to deep, relaxing music for the last two hours so I could really get in focus and write this episode and record it because it's on probably my favorite author and uh, some of my favorite books, the best writer I've ever read, had the privilege to read, Roberto Bolaño, and this is Roberto Bolaño in The Mystery of Life. So lately, I've been really asking myself a lot of questions and found myself seeking out a lot of silence to wait for the answers for my questions, and so... like I said I was listening to a lot of meditation music I was laying on my bed and I kind of started to get these visions and (laughs) movies playing in my mind of my childhood of the good old days when I, I had to be under like seven years old and a lot of these memories when I would make blanket and pillow forts and play inside them and invite imaginary characters inside them with me and I had this whole fictional world created and it simply just existed in my mind, and I'm sure at some points I perhaps thought they were real. Like I said, I was pretty young. And I'm sure these also, these blanket forts, were probably the length of a twin size bed. Like, if I laid across it with my full grown body now, I probably would be longer than them. But to me, they were as vast as the whole universe. They were as vast as me landing on an unknown island. And I just didn't know how much I could find inside of these little dark and blanket forts Um, and I didn't have to believe in anything I didn't have to trust that this all existed I just played in it and there was no expectations it was total joy and with my adult mind, I can now go back and analyze and see I was playing with fantasy and imagination in a really positive and health, healthy way. It wasn't a fantasy where I had to be saved or I needed something. And what I mean by this, I was completely present and content. I wasn't fantasizing of an escape. It wasn't, you know, the usual storyline for me of, oh, if I move into this lavish apartment. I'll be happy because I can host these really cool dinner parties with expensive wine, or if I get a rich partner, I I don't have to work, and I can just write and buy expensive lattes all day long, or I'll be happy when I publish a book, or I'll finally believe in my success and talent worthiness when I have this job. I'm not sure if I'm the only one that has these stories that go like this, or, oh, i We'll take really good photos, and I'll be happy when I get the new iPhone. And these are some of the stories I really tell myself on a daily basis. Um, And, I mean, I can laugh at them, because honestly, they're pretty comical. I don't actually believe in their truth. Um, They're silly. But my play was really childlike, spontaneous, fulfilling, and open. And it was play when I was fully present, and where time didn't seem to exist. And when did I lose that? Where the fuck did that go? I'm like, I've barely experienced that playfulness in life now. It's like the, there's a roomy poem. I, God, I can't think of it. I know it goes something like, you were once playful and uninhibited, unhibi- open and spontaneous. Now, all you think about is money. Or, now, all you think about is finding a new lavish apartment. Now, all you think about is sex. Now, all you think about is winding down and sipping away the evening with a very good bottle of wine. Now, all you think about is money. And, like, that's all I think about a lot of the times. Like, money, money, money. So I can buy a new apartment. So I can travel here. Because I'll be happy when I travel there. And, yeah. Like, where did that playfulness, that spontaneous nature go? That where, why am I not as open and present to the mysteries of life that are unfolding all around me now? And does that really just go away when you get older? Or does having to get a job and having been in the educational system so long and being around people who are pretty much zombies in this capitalism capitalistic society buying things deriving a sense of being alive from the things you purchase or the places you travel to or the jobs you have like where where does why do you start why is everything good replaced with wanting and not being satisfied by what you already have I want to return to that playful nature Christ talks about the kids being the happy ones the Buddha does too or the birds that simply trust in God's nourishment where where did all that go i seem to lose that in in my adulthood and sometimes when i sit in silence or I'm walking down a beautiful busy manhattan avenue sometimes i catch myself and find myself in that beautiful gap the gap between thinking, the gap between wanting, the gap of completely presence and openness, the gap where the Buddha and Christ and poet Rumi all live from, and not the gap that's on every fucking corner in Manhattan, although I do like some of their shirts, you know, but just the gap of pure awareness, of pure being, of pure love, of pure light, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to recognize it as. Because life, death—it's all a mystery. The mystery of being alive, of our human bodies. The fact that we go to bed and our heart wakes, and our nervous system wakes us up in the morning. The fact that we dream these dreams. The fact that we die and we have no idea where we go, or the fact that we have no idea where we came from. And I'm reading the confessions by Saint Augustine, and and when he asked, "But God, God, my joy." What preceded my life? Was I indeed anywhere, or anybody? Or the lovely quote by Buddhist Jack Cornfield, who I simply just admire. Within the mystery of life, there is the infinite darkness of the night sky, lit by distant orbs of fire. Or the cobbled skin of an orange that releases its fragrance to our touch. The unfathomable depths of our eyes, the depths of the eyes of our lover. No creation story, no religious system can fully describe or explain that richness in death. Mystery is ever so present that no one can know for certain what will happen one hour from now. You can only appreciate the mystery of life. And I can't help but wonder... (laughs) Carrie Bradshaw, (laughs) I couldn't help but wonder... Why do I not tap in and recognize that mystery of life more often? Other I'm so caught up of living in the past or future that the mystery and beauty of life just flow by and around me, and I miss them. And you know, and I, and so recently I realized that my spiritual journey kind of shifted from the quest for my true self to a journey of learning to recognize and appreciate the mysteries of life. And I really couldn't think of a better author than Bolaño to really explore and open up to the mystery, the mysteries of life. The Savage Detectives was the first novel I read by Bolaño in my global fiction course at a university. And in the course, we kind of talked briefly of the author, and my professor made the comment about Bolaño and the character in the novel, Arturo Bolaño who is kind of the alter ego of Bolaño and who I later found out makes appearances in his other works, such as Distant Star, Amulet, and many of his other short stories. And more interestingly, when I read other short stories by Bolaño, such as Sensini and Meeting with Enrique Lin, I noticed that the first person nar- narration from an unnamed eye seemed to show similarities between the alter ego of Bulaño and Bolaño the writer himself and I'm now taking a course on Bolaño and I'm kind of learning that he is this really myth maker and as I continue to read and explore Bolaño's fiction I saw how the unnamed I or the B for Bolaño character in his short stories and they were all kind of figments of the writer himself, characters living in Mexico, then in Spain, longing for Chile. And its nostalgia matched Bologna's own life arc. And it was clear that Bologno appeared himself in all the pages of his fiction. And I found an interview in the Bomb magazine with Carmen Busuela. And she asked Bologno how much autobiographical material is in your work to what extent is it a self-portrait and in his usual perfect vagueness in a way milanio who is really good with words just kind of replies literature is full of autobiographies is is my work autobiographical in a sense how could it not be you i'm just gonna sit with that for a second because i really that makes me really smile And I love, I really love and admire and adore that Bologno is a writer who plays with reality, someone who cultivated ambiguities and false identities. His entire collection of work is a universe, a realistic, not scientific universe, science fiction universe, anyway, but it's much more complex, I really think, than. Uh, the Marvel Universe, you know, Tolkien's Universe, all of that. But what I really love is, I really do believe that underneath all his fiction is this unconscious desire to know and be open to the mystery of life. Often, Bolaño's stories end with, I never saw him again, or I never saw her again. That was the last time I was ever in Madrid. Much of his fiction is shaped by mysteries and a deep desire to know something that can't be known. His characters themselves seem to really appreciate the mystery of life, even if that's the reason they're in conflict. In The Savage Detectives, for example, it's kind of in the title. The characters are detectives on a quest to find a long-lost poet, But underneath the search for the physical poet, there's a spiritual quest they're embarking on, a spiritual journey, the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell kind of writes about. And they kind of long to return to the source and the sources where these characters came from and a desire to know who brought these characters in the world. And I'm looking at these characters if they were actual people, as in, I long to know who brought me here. I long to know the source that brought me here, and I long to know that um, whoever brought me here kind of must take me home. So, of course, I'm like, I don't want to die to know who brought me here. I kind of want to know now. And as a reader and writer, I do truly believe that all writers are seeking out answers to the mystery of life through their characters and through the worlds they build, just because I think all humans kind of long in the same way all humans long to belong and long to know what their purpose is and why they're here. And so as I was kind of discussing in the beginning, I have, I have been longing to feel and live from a space of spontaneity, of openness, to live in a playful and uninhibited manner, recognizing my connection and interconnectedness to life around me, the trees, the animals, the buildings, the other people around me, And it was really through Bologna's literature that I found this playfulness. It made me remember what it was like to play and just delight in being alive, because his literature is free. It's filled with wonder and awe. And although it tackles deep political issues and questions, there is an inner wisdom to Bologna's fiction that is very, 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 very very extremely difficult to find in today's writing, especially now that MFA programs are taking over, but... You know, let's not get started on that. I believe more than any other author, he is fully present in his work, and it has a sense, it carries a sense of time, timelessness and authenticity that I cannot help but smile and laugh about it when I'm talking, talking about it. Um, his writing itself wakes one up to the mystery of life. And I just paused because I kind of just was sucked into the mystery of life. I, I just saw uh, a man on a bicycle speeding by. He didn't have his any of his hands on the handlebars, and he was looking at his phone. And I just caught that glimpse while staring out my window, and it just fully made me present, and I... Lost all focus of recording this podcast. But it's really this little thing is because it really just put a smile on my face because I'm like, how the fuck does he do that? And that's so cool. Like, I mean, he's on his phone, but I just like would imagine something like that would make one have to be present in the same way you kind of have to be present while rock climbing because if you don't, you're gonna like fall and die. Um, But he can somehow ride a bike with no handlebars. Like that song I used to listen to in sixth grade, I Can Ride My Bike With No Handlebars. Like that's a pretty good song, you know? And so as I'm taking my class on his writing and exploring his books and analyzing them, it really awakened me and put a deep ache in me to return to living life from a sense of wonder and awe just as all his characters do. And being open to the mystery of life is, in a sense, being present, being mindful, leaving behind a dualistic judgment mind of this is good, this is bad, old is better than new, the past was better than where I am now. And it's also I I think, this is all things I think. It's also recognizing the mystery of the skyscrapers that tower over you, the men who don't, the men and women who don't fucking touch their handlebars and ride their bikes, I wouldn't know how to do that. The birds flying, the delicious taste of coffee, recognizing that the coffee you're drinking was poured by another human, but the beans were processed and picked by another human on another continent, and the beans were grown from the soil, All of this, all of this, opening up to the mystery of life is returning to that playful imagination and using your imagination to create and imagine a more exciting future for yourself, but not using it to escape where you are now, but being grateful for where and who you are now and grateful to know that you can, you have the capacity to make choices and create the reality that you desire, the reality that you deserve, the reality that you will be excited about waking up in the morning to live being open to the mystery of life is trusting that everything is working for your highest good that you're the right person in the right place that you are worthy and deserving of love and belonging surrendering to the mystery of life is easily naturally giving out love and it's just easily and freely receiving love back simply because you know you deserve it i truly believe that when we are present and open to the mystery of life When we walk around with awe and wonder, when we walk around present, we connect to the inner wisdom of the world around us and miracles can happen. As John Locke, the character in Lost, Not the Philosopher, says, this is a place where miracles can happen. And it's in the eye of the believer. If you believe miracles can happen, I think miracles will manifest. And if you don't, they won't. I really think the world gives us exactly what we want and what we ask for and what we believe we can have. And so I think it's important to cultivate being present and acknowledging the mystery that surrounds us. It's important to connect to an inner child and play simply for playing and delight in being alive, delight in painting something and not it having be for a grade to make yourself more interesting, for it not to enhance you in any way, but simply just taking delight in it because it's a lovely thing to do. And you can paint you can do yoga and dance and meditate and sing. You can sit in Madison Square Park with no phone and no distractions. With your hands folded and watch the people around you sending out loving kindness to those and then smiling at the Empire State Building in the same way you smile when you're walking to meet a friend and see them staring ahead. Waking up to the mystery of life is accepting yourself exactly how you are in this moment, whether you are in pain, whether you are experiencing pleasure, whether you are joyful or sorrowful. But I really think what's most extraordinary uh, is opening to the mystery of life and being present in the most mundane things like washing dishes. God knows I don't do that. You can ask my roommates or cleaning your room or brushing your teeth. Because when you can open and be present in the mundane, you recognize how exciting and thrilling life truly is. All of it, the things you label good or bad, you are alive and there's really magic all around you. And if you choose to see the magic, you will. And if you choose to live in your head, live in your thoughts, and you will believe the stories and believe the thoughts and suffer. And I don't want anyone to suffer. <sighs> Fuck, okay. Damn, okay. This is shorter than I thought. I'm trying to get everything under 25 minutes because, like, who the fuck wants to listen to me talk? But I think that's really all I have to say. Oh, yes. Yes, okay, this is what I was talking about. Well, I was talking about this with some people and I was talking, we were talking about it in class, how the, m- not just the MFA novel, but m- novels published Today, a lot of popular novels published by the major houses. Like a, a, readers really just want like a takeaway from a book, a moral lesson. They want a clear arc. They want a solid beginning, middle, and end. And I also recognize this through Bologno because he doesn't he doesn't necessarily give you a solid end, a great conclusion, a, a solid arc like his books just they're not mysteries but they end in mysteries because you just like don't really know what happens there's and I like that there's there are takeaways from his book but it's not like the takeaways in like traditional like okay here you can see a clear arc and now you're satisfied with the ending because you brought back the problem in the beginning and it was solved in the ending and I don't end my writing like that and I don't end these episodes like that there's sometimes my episodes just kind of end like a quick fade out. There's not, I don't know the answers to anything. I don't know the answers to the questions I'm asking. I have an idea for an episode. I get excited about what I want to talk about. And when that runs out, then my episode ends, whether I bring the beginning back to the end and give it a great conclusion or not. Um, So this is the end of my episode, now so maybe you're satisfied maybe you're not maybe you wish I wrote it better but I'm very content with how I'm writing these and performing these episodes because you know they feel good and I'm not going to do them I'm going to stop doing them when they stop feeling good but now I'm going to read from the first two journal entries that opened the savage detectives because the first like hundred something pages um are actually journal entries from section one, Mexicans lost in Mexico. November 2nd. I've been cordially invited to join the visceral realists. I accepted, of course. There was no initiation ceremony. It was better that way. November 3rd. I'm not really sure what visceral realism is. I'm 17 years old, my name is Juan Garcia Madero, and I'm at my first semester of law school. I wanted to study literature, not law, but my uncle insisted, and in the end I gave in. I'm an orphan, and someday I'll be a lawyer. That's what I told my aunt and uncle, and then I shut myself in my room and cried all night, or anyway for a long time. Then, as if it were settled, I started class in the law school's hallowed halls, but a month later I registered for Julio Cesar Amalo's poetry workshop in the literature department, and that was how I met the visceral realist, or visceralists, or even the visceral realists As they sometimes liked to call themselves. Up until then, I had attended the workshop four times and nothing ever happened. Though only in a manner of speaking, of course, since naturally something always happened. We read poems and Alamo praised them or tore them to pieces, depending on his mood. One person would read, Alamo would critique. Another person would read, Alamo would critique. Somebody else would read, Alamo would critique. Sometimes Alamo would get bored and ask us, those of us who weren't reading just then, to critique too. And then we would critique and Alamo would read the paper. Alright, I'm going to now, I'm just going to read some of my favorite <laughs> parts of his journal entries. November 6th, cut class again today. I got up early and caught the U.N. bus, but I got off at an earlier stop and spent the rest of the morning wandering around downtown. First, I went to the Libre del Sosanto and bought a book by Pierre Louis. Then I crossed, Huas, bought a ham sandwich, and went to read and eat on a bench in Amala. Reading the story, plus looking at illustrations, gave me a all so hard on. I spent the... Oh, God. This book is too much. November 7th. There are 14 million people living in Mexico City. I'll never see the visceral realist again, and I'll never go back to the university or to Alamo's workshop either. I don't know what I'm going to tell my aunt and uncle. I finished Aphrodite, the book by Louet, and now I'm reading the dead Mexican poets, my future colleagues. And we can listen to the lovely sound of pages being flipped. Okay, I highly suggest please read the Savage Detectives and if not, read Sencini or The Beach. Just find him online. But thank you all for tuning in today and may you all be free from suffering and the root of suffering and may you all experience peace, love and joy today and tap into the mystery and recognize that mystery all around you. Farewell my friends. Farewell.